We move into our Advent season and we have a new sermon series. God with us. Um, one of the more fascinating books I have read over the past several years uh, by Stephen King, and it's called On Writing. On Writing, and it's part memoir and it's part instruction manual. And in that book, uh, King talks about there's times when he has written himself into his stories, right? Like the Dark Tower is an example where he does that. And other authors do this as well. They write themselves into the story. Hold that thought for a moment, okay? And let's travel back in time for just a little bit. And I want you to think about the first time that man went into space, right? Remember who that was? Yuri Gagarin, Russian cosmonaut, goes into space, comes back, and then the Soviet leader, Nikita Khrushchev, goes on a bit of a campaign, kind of an anti-religious campaign saying, hey, we've been to space, we've been out into orbit, and guess what? We didn't see God, so he doesn't exist. How's this connected to the author writing himself into the story? Well, it reminds me of um, the Oxford professor C.S. Lewis. He talks about how he came to faith, his journey of faith. He writes about it in his memoir, Surprised by Joy. And he says it's something like that. It's something like the author writing himself into the story. He says, "Um, it's foolish to think that man is going to stumble upon God. The example Lewis uses, he says, that's like thinking that Hamlet was somehow going to meet Shakespeare, right? Hamlet lives in a world that Shakespeare created. Hamlet himself is a creation of Shakespeare, but but Lewis goes on to say that the only way for Hamlet to meet Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes himself into the story. And as we come into this Advent season, we're going to see that that's exactly what God has done. God with us. Right? And um, part of what we want to do with this series is help you appreciate this reality right here. I think when most of you think of God with us, you probably think of like, oh, that's Matthew. That's a child is born whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. And what we want to help you see is that It's not like that's the one God with us scene. Like in the 66 books of the Bible and thousands of years of history, oh yeah, there's the God with us scene. It's not one single scene, friends. It's the whole story. God with us. God with us in the garden in Genesis. God with us in the city in Revelation. God with us in the tabernacle in the wilderness. God with us. In Nebuchadnezzar's furnace, God with us in the manger and in 10,000 places, we're going to be looking at God with us because we need to learn what C.S. Lewis had to come to find out. It's not so much about us finding God, but about God finding us. So we're going to start this morning at the beginning in Genesis. We're going to look at a few selections from the first three chapters. If you have your Bible, open them up there. I am going to read it read these verses for us from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Hear now God's word. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then moving on to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you, sh evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And now at the beginning of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, the grass withers, the flower fades, but your word stands forever. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Save us from distraction and by your spirit, speak through your word. Help us to see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning I want us to focus in on just a few verses, a couple of the verses. We read a lot and there is a lot going on here this morning, but let's, let's read again verses 8 and 9 of chapter 3. They're there in your Bible or on your phone. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and woman and said, Where are you? I believe you could make the case that these couple verses right here, that they set up the rest of the story of the Bible. I believe that you could make the case that these couple verses right here, that they sum up the entire story of the Bible. 
Um, the scene only takes a couple seconds to unfold, but I would contend it explains every second of your life and of my life. So this morning, as we make our way through these um, verses, what I want us to see is that um, a few things. We were made for God with us. We hide from God with us. And Jesus was born for God with us. All right, we were made for God with us. We hide from God with us. And Jesus was born for God with us. Um, <clears throat> this morning... Regardless of the worldview or religion you walked in here with this, uh, walked in here with, you have an origin story, all right? You have some way that you're, you explain how the world came to be, how you came to be, and what you're supposed to do with life. Uh, if it's secular humanism, then your story is mechanical and without a God. But every religion, every worldview has an origin story. Confucianism, Taoism, African traditional religion, every story has, every religion, every worldview has an origin story. It's our conviction that the one found in Genesis is a true and better story than you will find anywhere else. Here's a little preview. We're going to spend about eight weeks at the first of the year looking at just these three chapters of Genesis because we believe understanding that helps us understand everything else. You have an origin story, a way to explain and understand everything. Now, I understand, especially when we come to Genesis, um, many of us have all kinds of questions about science and about the universe and how does all of this connect and how does all of this relate. That's good. We're glad that you have those questions. I had those questions in my journey to faith. I still have some questions. Please bring us your questions. You have questions about the physics of it all, right? Like, does dark matter exist? Uh, if so, what is it? And why does it not interact with like light and the electromagnetic field? All right? I'm not going to talk about any of that this morning. In fact, I think it's helpful to remember... Um, the author of Genesis is not writing to help us understand all the nuances and physics of the universe. The author of Genesis is actually writing to help us understand ourselves. You and me and who created us. It's, the author of Genesis is helping us to understand the brokenness and beauty out there and in here. So while I believe there are good answers to all kinds of questions about the physical nature of the universe, uh, the questions we're after here in this series, and especially here this morning, is who am I and who is my God? That's what the author of Genesis wants us to see. And as we see, uh, the, uh, the God in Genesis created us for God with us. We see it in a, in a few things. He created us with dignity. He created us under authority. And he created us for intimacy. He created us with dignity. We see it there in verses 27 and 28 of chapter 1. We were created in God's image. We're different than all other creation. God created us in his image. He didn't create us in competition with himself. He didn't uh, create us with indifference. When, when it comes to us as his creation, he's not um, apathetic 
and we are not accidents. It's important to see all of those things. He created us with dignity. And let's, let's camp out on that word created for a second. You and I were created. We were made. And it's really important that you see this creature creation distinction. It's not in a lot of other worldviews, but you see this creature creation distinction. You know what it's helpful to remember? You're not Shakespeare. You're Hamlet. Um, you don't set the rules. You don't call the shots. God is creator and we are creature. And it's just helpful to remember that as we move through the scriptures and as we move through our lives. We were created with um, dignity. We were created under authority. And we were created for intimacy. Did you notice the very first thing that God did after he created Adam and Eve? If someone says, okay, what's the first thing God did after he created them? Do you know, do you know what it says? Look there in the scriptures. It says that he blessed them. The very next word, and God blessed them. Friends, if you want to understand God, if you want to understand Christianity, you have to see that and make that connection. That right after he created Adam and Eve, he blessed them. Before they had done anything, Adam and Eve didn't offer any sacrifices. Adam and Eve didn't have a service. Adam and Eve didn't have a good day at work or a good day at school, right? Like before they had done anything, God created them and then God blessed them. That's who he is. That's his nature. Look, look at one more thing. Um, verse 8 of chapter 3. Um, we see that God created them. God blesses them. God says, hey, hey, actually, you can eat of every tree out there, except for just that one. But you have every tree out there. And then there's this interesting language in verse 3. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. All right. Again, another thing that, that it's hard to wrap our head around. God somehow shows up and walks in the garden with them. I'm not going to pretend to understand the logistics or metaphysics of all this, all right? I don't know what the sound is that they heard. I would love to know what the sound God makes walking is. But again, I don't think those are the questions we really need to be after. Here's the question I think we should ask when we see this. What does it do to your heart to learn that God is on the move? What does it do inside of you to know that God actually comes and writes himself into the story, shows up on the scene? Kids, you like to play hide and go seek, all right? I was reminded again over Thanksgiving, I've got some nephews and nieces, you love to play hide and seek. You love to go hide. And you know what, kids, even more, you love the fact that someone's looking for you. You want to know why kids love to play hide and go seek? Because they were made for it. They were designed to be pursued and sought after. And you don't grow out of that. Adults, you long to be pursued. You long for intimacy. This kind of helps explain this reality. You might not really want to go to the function, but you want to be invited to the function. Why? Because you were designed to be pursued. You were designed for intimacy. You were made for God with us. That's the reality. We were made for God with us, and the tragic uh, reality is that we also hide from God with us. We hide from God with us. And, and that might sound like a contradiction. 
Like, what do you mean? We, we were made for it, but we hide for it. But if you've ever looked at your life or the lives of, of those around you, you realize often we are walking contradictions. I read this quote from Walker Percy, and, and I think it helps explain really us. Listen to what Walker Percy says about you and about me. Novelist Walker Percy. Why it is that of all the billions and billions of strange objects in the cosmos, novas, quasars, pulsars, black holes, black holes, he says, you and I are beyond a doubt the strangest. We're the strangest because of this contradiction. We're the strangest because we were made for God with us, and yet we hide from it. Liz and I have this hand gesture that uh, I think helpfully explains the contradiction inside of us. And this is the hand gesture we have. It's this one right here. All right? Liz and I use this hand gesture to explain a lot of things. The way we treat each other sometimes. This is a parenting dynamic sometimes, right? Like, Hey, I, I want you, I want you. But then we act in such a way as to keep people away. It's a friendship dynamic and it's a relationship with God dynamic. This contradiction of we were made for God with us and yet so often we hide from it. And we see that here in these opening chapters. Our origin story runs into trouble first because we believe lies. Adam and Eve believed lies about who God was, about how he felt about them, about his power, and about their status. Believing lies is one of the ways we hide from God with us. It's the entryway into hiding with God with us. Because the enemy of our soul comes in and he says, yeah, you will not surely die. And then he starts whispering about God's motives. Like, hey, Adam, Eve, God knows that when you eat that, you're going to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to have it. He starts impugning the motives of God. God's really not for you. He doesn't really know what's best for you. Uh, he starts uh, lying about who they are. You know, Adam and Eve, come to think of it, yeah. Why shouldn't you have this? Like, why shouldn't you be a God? As long as I'm your pastor here at Capitol Press Fairfax, I'm going to encourage you to be curious about your brokenness and your sin. That is, I don't want us to just deal with the symptoms, the manifestations. I want us to see what's going on in our hearts. And I'll tell you, one thing that's always going on in your heart when you enter into sin is you are believing a lie. What lies do you believe when you've discovered your brokenness. So when you're in there, when you're in that conflict or when you have fallen, you should start asking the question, what lie did I believe about who I am and about who God is? Because when you um, sleep with your girlfriend or when you bully your children or your spouse or when you engage in gossip in school, right? In all of those spaces, what's happening is you're believing lies about who God is about where life is found, about who you are. Part of the ways we hide from God with us is believing lies. And friends, the destination that leads us to is shame. Did you notice the, the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they ate the fruit? Like, what was the first thing they did? They, they hid. Because of shame, they covered themselves. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden... Their skin must have felt pretty vulnerable. 
right? Like how shocking it must have been, the differences between expectation and reality. In an instant, instant they, went, they went from the thought of, um, I think I should be God, to maybe I should cover up. In one bite. Shame enters into the story because they've believed these lies and they start hiding from God. And we still hide. Again, another helpful question for us. Where do you hide? In your brokenness, where do you hide? Maybe you hide by just pulling away and isolating getting away from other believers and community. People start hiding in that way. Maybe you hide by going into your phone and into screens. Maybe you hide by skillfully managing your image. Oh, DC, we are great at hiding in that way, just skillfully managing the externals while all the time inside chaos is reigning. Where do you go to hide in your shame? Can I share with you a lesson that I have learned from decades of ministry and from decades of dealing with my own mess. Those things that are hidden are never healed. Those things that are hidden are never healed. <laughs> Look at how God deals with all this. He, he does show up in the garden. They hear him. They, they go and hide. Um, God shows up in the garden. Uh, so one, he doesn't abandon them. Notice that. God does not abandon them. He'd have every right to do that. God does not annihilate them. You have every right to do that. No, God asks them a question. Where, where are you? Verse 9, he says, where are you? And you guys realize this. It's not like God can't find them. All right? We, we might be skillful as we grow up at hiding from adults, but we can't hide from God. When it, in terms like we try to hide from God, we think we can hide from God, but when we're hiding from God, it's like how my nephew hides from me, right? Like he's behind the curtain and he thinks I can't see him, but all the while his shoes are underneath the curtain and I can see them, right? Like, and we laugh at that and that's so silly, but how often do we think we can hide from God? So he doesn't ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Because he needs to know where they are. He asks them, where are you? Because he wants them to realize where they are. He wants them to see that they have disobeyed, that they have been disloyal, and that they have forfeited their right to his good and holy presence. And there's nothing they can do to fix it. That's why he asked that question, where are you? So that they would see that. And the good news for us this morning is that even though we hide from God with us, Jesus has come to restore God with us. That's the hope for us this morning. And I mentioned it when we started off. Most of us, when we think of God with us, we think of that passage from Emmanuel that quotes the, prophet from, uh, the prophecy from Isaiah that a child will be born and his name uh, will be Emmanuel, God with us. That's not the first time that the promise of Jesus shows up on the scene. It actually shows up here in verse 15. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, there is a Latin term for this, all right? I'm going to say it but I'm going to acknowledge that I'm a southern redneck, all right? So it's, I'm, I'm wading into dangerous waters here. Uh, the proto-evangelium, 
all right? The Proto-Evangelium, the first good news, the first gospel. When Adam and Eve have fallen, when they have hidden, the good news is God promises to fix it. The offspring that's talked about here is Jesus. He will come and crush the serpent, come and crush the enemy. That's our hope. And that's what Jesus does. You want to talk about writing yourself into the story? God becomes a child, comes to the manger. And for all the times that we disobey and that we're disloyal and that we doubt, Jesus, with every minute and every breath, obeys and is loyal, even to his last breath where he takes our punishment on the cross. And in this series, our prayer is that seeing the links that God will go to to be with us, that will melt our hearts. Because friends, that's the only thing that's strong enough to bring us back home, understanding the links that God has gone to to be with us. When you're in your shame, when you're believing the lies, the only thing strong enough to call you back home is to see the links God would go to to be with us. The only thing that will steady us while we still deal with the consequences of sin, right? Jesus defeated our enemies, death and sin, fully on the cross. The effects still linger, and so we still battle with the brokenness in here and out there. The only thing that will steady us in the midst of that brokenness and broken relationships and sickness, the only thing that will steady us is realizing that God is with us. And the only thing that will compel us to move into our neighbor's lives, for us to be a church that moves into Fairfax, sharing who God is, the only thing that will compel us to do that is realizing what God has done to be with us. Because in your neighbors, your friends, your family, often the way that God writes himself into their story is through you and me. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. And so that's what we're going to look at in this Advent series as we make our way through these weeks leading up to Christmas. Seeing all that God has done to be with us. Let's pray. Father, would you open our eyes to see that we were made for communion with you, for a relationship with you. Would you show us in each of our individual ways how we hide from that, where we go to hide from that, the lies we believe about you and about us. And Father, would you help us see this morning all that we have in Jesus all that he has done to restore our relationship with you. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.